had a previous episode discussing XCB, X11, Wayland and all about display servers. And I've said in the beginning of that previous episode that it would not be about window managers. Well, today, folks, we're going to do just that. This is going to be about window managers and desktop environments. I'm Vinam, and you're listening to The Nixers Podcast. There's a field of study called HCI, which stands for Human-Computer Interaction. It is interested by how users interface with a machine, especially in finding new and more efficient ways to do so. And this research field is as the intersection between behavioral science and computer science. It's a sort of dialogue with the machine. And like any dialogue, we want our thoughts to reach out the other party. The ACM, Association for Computing Machinery, defines human-computer interaction as a discipline concerned with the design, evaluation, and implementation of interactive computing systems for human use and with the study of major phenomena surrounding them. It's a field of study that started appearing in the mid-70s. In the world of HCI, there are many design principles, methodologies, and ways of research to see how efficient an interface is. But But it always strives with ingenuity, always trying to take the best of both sides, the computer and the human. The factors changes and it goes both way. The computer evolve and the HCI theories evolve accordingly. Why are we talking about HCI to begin with? Because it's the core of the topic. It's the bone supporting our story. Everything stems from it. People have always taken a look at the computers and technologies available for the time and wondered what type of interactions would be possible. We first used the computer in batch mode using punch cards as input, and then we switched to a more interactive approach through text displays using command line interfaces, and now through raster graphics and graphic based computers, we use graphic interfaces and we're still in the transition to a new phase. The advent of the graphical user interface or GUI or GUI, whatever you like to call it, gave rise to new paradigms. Rather than having only text, users are now presented with images. The user interacts with this environment using a keyboard and a pointing device, which typically is a mouse. The user has to manipulate the graphical elements on the screen. And the field of HCI denoted a new type of paradigm called the WIMP, which stands for Windows Icon Menu Pointer. HCI emphasizes on making the user interface as seamless as possible with the real world so that non-technical people can still understand what is going on without being so much surprised. They do that by using metaphors of the real world. And that's where the desktop metaphors comes from. It contains windows which are like sheets of papers, folders, or trash cans, etc. etc. And the navigation is frictionless and more efficient compared to text user interface, but not necessarily as powerful. The elements of the WIMP came to be through an iteration of what made the, the most sense to users. It doesn't require a steep learning curve. But how did this come to be and what's the relation with the window manager and desktop environments? 
that's a quick, vague and nebulous intro to what we're going to discuss in this episode. It has set the ground for more discussion about the core of our topic, and, and it emphasizes the interaction part of it. And that's very important. The interaction with the environment. Let's answer two big questions. What's a window and what's a window manager? Let's start with a window. What's a window? A window is like the window of a building that allows you to see outside. In a graphical user interface, it describes a canvas. Usually a squared, but not necessarily a squared. It could be any shape. It's a section of the screen which surface is painted with the application. It's a window to give you a view of only that application, an area of visual display. The application draws on that specific region all of its component, and that window stays cohesive together as one block. It's self-contained. The size and position can normally be adjusted, and the windows may or may not overlap, depending on the situation. In all cases, the content of the window is independent of this movement or size. This window metaphor has worked great and is adopted everywhere alongside the desktop metaphor. And on Unix specifically, the style of the window is normally dictated by the widgets library that is in use for that program. The widget library which offers widgets such as text inputs, menus, scroll bars, drop down, etc. And we're not done gonna discuss widgets here, but we might maybe later on in a new episode of the podcast. So windows can also have a decoration drawn around them, but that is dictated by the window managers and not the window itself. So let's go with what's a window manager. The window manager doesn't handle what's inside the windows, but instead it handles their management, just like the name implies. It dictates how the windows are controlled and where and how they are displayed. The windows are like the papers, and the window manager is like the combination of the desk and your hands that you can respectively use to lay and manipulate the papers. Or more precisely, the window manager would be your eyes plus your hands plus your desk. What you currently see with your eyes is called the viewport, and it has a limit. While the desk may not be or may be bigger than your viewport, And the viewport is the destination display space. It's a view onto a large virtual world. A viewport is usually the size of the screen, but that's not set in stone. Each window manager can take a different approach to this. Viewports might also be referred to as virtual desktops and certain window managers. And some refer to the window managers that have viewports as virtual window managers. Generally speaking, window managers have two parts. The presentation, which displays windows and lay them around the screen, and the operations, which is how the user enters commands to manipulate those windows or manage them. This is a vague overview of the basics and that gives rise to many possibilities and implementation. So let's dive into the history of human-computer interaction, and then we can come back and unpack those possibilities that are currently available on Unix-like operating systems. Let's go! As we've said, HCI emerged in the mid-70s, and that's no coincidence, as we're gonna see. 
So let's go through an overview of window interfaces and concepts that influence current graphical user interfaces. If we could trace back history and put the praises on a single individual for starting the spark of it all, that would be Douglas Engelbart in the 60s for his work at the Stanford Research Institute. He's considered like one of the founders of HCI and more or less has invented the concept of a window along with the concept of a pointing device like the mouse. Before that, we certainly had terminal multiplexer and or curses interfaces, but those weren't graphical in the sense we mean today, though we can't deny their influences on the later designs. Most of the genuinely new interesting ideas originated from one place, Xerox Park, Palo Alto Research Center. Their mission was to and quote, investigate the possibilities of new computer systems to be used in offices, assuming that in the future computer power would be abundant and inexpensive, which is true today. The Smalltalk environment based on the Smalltalk ob object-oriented programming language developed at the park in 1970s introduced the first floating windows, windows that could overlap and move e easily. And this led into future further improvement of the concept of GUI, graphical user interface, thinking about new techniques and possibilities to interact with these windows. This was the start of window management. So Smalltalk contained a lot of innovative ideas like cut and paste, pop-up menus and browsers, a clock, and then came a more commercial approach of the systems and 1975 the Xerox Star was released. And it was the first real consistent graphical user interface that used the notion of an office where the user operates on task, the office metaphor or the desktop metaphor as we call it today. It consists of windows, menus, buttons, radio buttons, icons, and it uses a keyboard and a pointing device for interaction. It was sort of like the creation of the WIMP paradigm, Windows Icon Menu Pointer, if you remember. So from that point on, the influence of Xerox was widespread like the flea. Everyone implemented and re-implemented the WIMP design. So let's go over some of them following a chronog chronological order. Rup Pike and Bart Lacanthi at Bell Labs in 1982 designed the BLIT, a, program a programmable bitmap graphics terminal. So it was similar to a plain textual terminal, but could also load software th that would use the terminal graphic capabilities. On that BLIT, people would usually load a window system like MPX, which later became MUX, and it replaced the terminal interface by a mouse-driven graphical multiplexers. So it could run terminal emulators, editors, clocks, etc. The MPX and MUX WM had a minimalist design and it was what later inspired the X-Window system running on most Unix systems today. It was the first system to separate the window manager from the drawing mechanisms. And this was all around 1982. Later on in 1983, Apple released the Apple Lisa, which user interface was highly influenced by the Xerox Star, but it didn't took off commercially. And after that, in 1984, the Macintosh was released. It was peculiar in the sense that the screen, the keyboard and the mouse were attached to the box containing the hardware. It introduced an intuitive and clean interface, at least 
cleaner than other competitors. In 1985, Windows 1.0 was released. It wasn't particularly innovative, but it brought the graphical user interface to the masses. And later on in the late 80s, early 90s, NextStep got released. NextStep was Unix-based using the Mac kernel plus a bit of the BSD sources. It was ahead of its time when it came to graphical user interface. So there's a lot of cool thing happening with NextStep. The first web browser was created on NextStep. Games such as Doom, Wolfenstein 3D, and Quake were also developed on it. NextStep was the pioneer and the toolkits and graphical widgets we have today. And we'll stop with this history here, so pardon me if I didn't mention so many other influential window managers, but I have to cut it short. You can find a graph showing how window managers influence each other in the show notes. So let's summarize it now a bit. In the 60s, we had Douglas Engelbert, Smalltalk in the 70s, Xerox Star in 1975, The Blit in 1982, Apple Lisa in 1983, Macintosh in 1984, Windows 1.0 in 1985, and late 80s and start 90s, we have Next Step. Most of those, most of the window management techniques avail- available today originate from those times. So we should be grateful to their influences. But let's more focus now on the specific Unix bloodline. Disclaimer, I'm not going to talk anymore about macOS or next step in this podcast. So what's particular about Unix? While the user interface of macOS and Windows have started their iterative process in the mid-80s, in the rest of the Unix world, user interfaces were not set in stone. At the same time, around 1984, the X window system was created. It followed the same architecture of Blit, a minimalist server architecture. Consequentially, All window managers for Unix-like operating systems are implemented as a server process outside of memory space of the client. What does that mean? If you want more info on that specific architecture, you can refer to the podcast about X11, XCB, Wayland, etc. But as with Unix fashion, nothing is set in stone and everything is flexible. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of different window managers. In more details, the window manager keeps running and whenever there's an attempt to show a window, the window manager will receive a request. The window manager then chooses what to do with this request, map the window, and where. The window manager can choose to draw or to use the specific term to map the window directly on the screen, the root window, or to reparent it over another window it has to draw, let's say the border or decoration, title bars, the frame. The window manager works in a sort of loop where it receives notification of events happening on the windows and when certain keys are pressed, it's an event-driven programming. So it receives all sorts of events from mapping requests, unmap requests, resize, iconify, etc. And keep in mind that the window manager has full control on what it does to the windows. And there are standards regarding what to do when receiving certain events, and the window manager can choose to respect them or not. Those are the free disk desktop standards, and they are also 
including inter-client communication convention, ICCCM, and the more extended window manager, hence EWMH. And those allow the window manager to work fine with other applications like bars or panels, for example. And the EWMH uses a feature of the X window server, for example, that allow to store hints or properties or key value pairs, if you want, meta information on windows. And you can check those meta information using the XProp tool to examine them. So those are there to provide a better experience and interaction with other widgets that may be part of the desktop but are not enforced. For example, the root window may contain a, an underscore net client list property which has a list of all currently opened windows or a window may have the net WN name property which has the name of the program that is running inside the concern window. And you can give the specs a look, they are there in the show notes. Even though nothing is enforced for a window manager to work on Unix-like systems, there are still a bunch of characteristics that stand out as common between many of them. Nevertheless, this is still just an overview of what a window manager or WM can do and is supposed to do. Don't take anything I'll say as a given. Window managers can add so much more to their arsenals or arguably much less. We said we'll come back to it, so we're coming back. Window managers only have two basic roles or goals, displaying, laying on the screen, presenting windows, and controlling, manipulating windows. Or on a much broader level, the role is to be the intermediary between the displaying and controlling. That's all there is to it, the basic of basic. Anything else added is an extra feature given by the window manager. Now this interaction should unfold somewhere. And that somewhere is the viewport, as we've mentioned earlier. It sort of stands between the two as both control and display at the same time. As a reminder, the viewport is used as a virtual workspace and makes switching between tasks easier because the user doesn't have to rem remember the arrangement and rearrange the windows for every task. There's a concept here that every window manager should try to avoid and it is the, end quote, window it is. The cluttering of the screen, this state of quick disorientation and lust of relationship between windows, the constant user struggle to arrange and rearrange windows, housekeeping them. Every window manager should try to avoid this. There are many layout strategies that a window manager can take, but some are more predominant than others. A layout strategy is the way the window manager handles placing the windows on the screen. We'll go over the most important ones like stacking, tiling, and dynamic. Let's start with tiling. The tiling approach organizes windows on the screen so that they are mutually non-overlapping. No other window covers the space where another window is drawn. It is similar to a ceramic tile on the floor. It's like a really tidy desk where all the papers are always laid open and non-overlapping. With tiling, the window manager takes over from you the management of window placement and size. You don't have to think about them anymore. It's all taken care of. Tiling achieves this through multiple types of algorithms, each one laying the windows and tiles but differently. 
Some tiling algorithms allow to resize windows and change their places, some don't. The most common approach is that when one window is open, it fills the whole screen and when a second window is open, the screen is divided horizontally or vertically to make space for the new window and so on and so on. But tiling is not limited to filling the whole screen. Some spaces could be dedicated for certain purposes, like only in this space will be tiling done. One issue with the tiling layout strategy is that the pop-ups result in unexpected resizing and replacement of all the other windows on the screen. Another issue is that with small screens, the windows will fastly shrink down in size. However, it takes the burden off the user to not think about window placement and size. What about stacking? The stacking approach is closer to the traditional desktop metaphor where windows act like pieces of paper on a desk that can be stacked on top of each other's. The window manager, in most cases, doesn't enforce the size and placement of windows and stacking uh, layout, and thus the user has to do the, that him or herself. The user can move windows and resize them, bringing them in the front of the stack or under it, obscuring them on some region or another. The advantages with tiling is that pop-ups don't hinder the user and that multiple big windows can be shown on a relatively small screen simultaneously. The disadvantage is that the user has to always take care and think about placing windows and rearranging them. Now let's think about something else, the dynamic. The layout strategies are not limited to stacking and tiling only. A window manager can combine both of those and let the user switch between them at will. And that is referred to as a dynamic window manager or dynamic layout strategy. What sort of control strategies can be included in a window manager? What techniques can be used to manipulate windows? The basics of manipulation lays into four operations. To add or map a window, to delete or unmap a window, to reposition or move a window, and to resize a window. In tiling window managers, WMs, the move and resize part might be totally taken care of by the window manager. For others, the manipulation could be implemented using keyboard shortcuts or a pointing device. But you can actually use anything that is an input device to your machine. However, the most common ones are the mouse and keyboard. The mouse-oriented window managers being a bit more friendly than keyboard-oriented ones, simply because remembering keyboard shortcuts is another burden burden on the user, but on the long run, on the long term, may become faster than to employ the mouse for every operation. Most styling window managers employ the keyboard-driven approach if they ever allow resizing and moving windows, but it's not limited to them. A stacking window managers may well provide keyboard accelerators or shortcuts. The goal of window control and management is to avoid the concept we mentioned earlier. Remember the window it is syndrome, the one where the user gets disoriented and loses the relation between windows? Well, the control part of a window manager is the housekeeping, the management part. And so window managers offer a bunch of other features related to control that are not in the basic four operations. For example, a window manager may offer the possibility to maximize and minimize a window as if it was stored away in a drawer for a while. 
A tagging system may also be implemented to group windows together and apply a bulk operations on them. The virtual desktops or viewports are also a way to manage and control windows. It's similar to tagging because it groups them by separate viewports. The window manager can go a bit further by giving windows states and change their decoration accordingly to give a visual clue of what, what state the window is currently in. All of those make the management and control easier on the brain. Last but not least, let's take in consideration that the window manager is just a middleman between the X server and the user. And so some projects even take away the control part of the window manager and replace it by some third-party tool. For instance, there are the WM control tool, the SXHKD that is popular with BSPWM users, and the WM utils by DCAT and Zebra at Nixers.net. You should always keep your mind open for new concepts when thinking of window managers. So what else differs between the window managers? Why would you prefer one over another? There's a lot to try and different approaches to this problem, so let's name some differences between window managers. The programming language it's written in, the memory foot footprint and CPU consumption, the type of layout strategy, the type of control strategy if it even includes one to begin with, how it looks, the visual aspects, the customizability of the appearance, the customizability of the control, the way the configuration file is written, if it has one to begin with, if it has the concept of viewports or virtual desktop and how it implements it, if it offers extra features like menus, bars, panel, docs, program launchers, etc. etc. The degree of integration with a desktop environment, if it has a composite window manager, and what's a composite uh, window manager? It's a window manager that composes window into a buffer of image representing the screen and then it writes it into the display memory. So it can apply 2D and 3D animations and all sort of visual effects. So that's just a small list of the features of differences. And you can see a list of comparison of window managers and the link and the arch wiki that is in the show notes. Now a small mention about Wayland compositors. Like the name says, Wayland compositors are composite window manager, sort of. The big difference uh, between window managers and a compositor, a Wayland compositor, is that a Wayland compositor contains within itself windowing systems. There are windowing systems and window manager at the same time. And that's all I'm going to say about uh, Wayland compositors, and you can refer to the earlier podcast for more information about them. Let's emphasize this again because it's quite hard for some beginners to grasp this, and let's quote from the Arch Wiki. Unlike the classic Mac OS, Microsoft Windows platforms, which have historically provided a vendor control, a fixed set of ways to control how windows and panes display on the screen and how the user may interact with them. Window management for the X window system was deliberately kept separate from the software providing the graphical display. The user can choose between various third-party window managers which differ from one another in several ways. And thus it's, this leaves the user to run wild with their imagination, taking whatever they want from this confluence of ideas, cherry-picking, reinventing, reusing whatever suits them. 
It is like a fashion show. Everyone peacocks their most fabulous desktop. Confluence of ideas and influence taken from one another. That gave rise to a movement called Rising, which we may talk about in another podcast, maybe later. Many of the people on Nixers are into this movement, so if you want more info about it, you can simply ask them. Remember we talked about extra window managers features like bars, panels and docks? These are extra bits that can be bundled in the window manager or outside of it offered as a third party by the environment. Yep, because the window manager doesn't live alone, it's part of a series of programs that make your machine usable in the graphical world. All those pieces join together to create what we call a desktop environment. The linking and communication is done using what we talked about earlier, ICCM or EWMH, but it doesn't have to use them, it's not forced. So truly, what's a desktop environment? Let's read a a quote that sums this up. A desktop environment bundles together a a variety of components to provide common graphical user interface elements such as icons, toolbars, wallpapers, and desktop widgets. Additionally, most desktop environments include a set of integrated applications and utilities. Most importantly, desktop environments provide their own window manager, which can however usually be replaced with another compatible one. The name stems from the fact that most desktop environments are implementations of the desktop metaphor, even though a lot go beyond that. It would be more precise to refer to it as the graphical shell, but the name desktop environment sticked. So what does it mean when you hear someone utter that they, end quote, installed the desktop environment? It means it means that they installed a bundle pack that comes with a bunch of complementary goodies. Usually that bundle is made for convenience and for novice user that don't want to bother installing everything from scratch. Those desktop environments also rotate around a core library and most of their application depends on it to work well together and to keep a cohesive visual and control experience. Here are some of the most popular in 2016. The Plasma KDE disk desktop, the GNOME, the Unity, Cinnamon, Mate desktop, LXQT, XFCE, Budgie, Pantheon. And as with the window manager, the choice is yours. You check out the feature, then bundle of the programs that come with the desktop environment, the feel of it, the memory footprint, etc., the features, and you can choose whatever you want, whichever you prefer, if you want a desktop environment to begin with. A last word on this topic, some distributions only, only differ by the desktop environment they have installed by default and the packages they have installed inside of it. And thus changing between those distributions is just a matter of convenience to not install the desktop environment yourself. And as with everything on Unix, the user is free to choose and configure whatever they like in their graphical environment. You're free to choose the window manager you want with all the softwares you want to create your own desktop environment. You can rise your desktop environment to your specific needs, customizing your your tailor-made environment. So this sounds great, right? So what kind of things can you include in your desktop shell other than the window manager? 
Let's name a few. Taskbar, toolbars, docs, panel, bars, pop-up notifications, compositor, icons and borders, menus and program launcher, clipboard manager, virtual workspace, viewport, fonts, virtual workspaces, program launcher, third-party compositing, wallpaper setter, desktop icon, screen locker, display manager, aka login screen, sound volume management, power management, signaling and tools, file managers and mounting tools, terminal emulators, etc. 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 If you find that this sounds like a lot, then you're not wrong, it's a lot. It's a lot because the desktop environment contains everything, any software that when working together creates your working environment. And it can also include any software that is needed by you, anything that suits you. Anything really in the graphical environment is your desktop environment. Let's take a moment and think further. What we have today in terms of human-computer interaction emerged from the 80s and hasn't evolved much. It is still very limited, but the desktop metaphor and the concept of window has stood strong throughout all those years. But that's not a reason to stop thinking deeper and incorporate new ideas together. Projects like the Matisse at the University of Paris, Paris-Saclay, implements new ways of thinking about window management and, and interaction. I truly urge you to take a look at in the show notes to check it out. Unix has its place in this innovation because of the way the window manager works with the X servers. It's flexible and open. Another point we need to consider is how the development of user interface has evolved. It has always been a two-way street. The hardware becomes more powerful and we create an interface that works on this hardware and force everyone to use it. But today we need to think the other way around. We ask the user what they need, find what they need, without worrying about hardware resources, and we build an interface around that that is custom-made for their use. This method of user-centered design, or well-tailored design, is the future of window management and of graphical interaction as a whole. So that's it for this episode. There's a, there are a lot of window managers for Unix, so go on, try them out, make up your own mind about what you like and find what suits your workflow. And if you've always sticked with a desktop environment, then it's the perfect time to try and build your own custom environments. But bear in mind that this podcast is just a shallow overview. For more information, you can check the show notes. They're full of awesome stuff. And to end this, if you want to contribute, there's a list of things you can do. And I'll link it in the show notes too. And last but not least, I'd like to say thanks to XCKO for the music of this podcast. He linked me to Jazz in Paris. So if you liked it, say thanks to him. And that was it for this podcast, WMs and DE. It was Vinam for the Nixers podcast. (laughs) 